Coming up on Telling the Odds, where the hell is the Mandalorian trailer? We have an answer. We have some hard-hitting synopsis details for Kenobi, we talk about what we want next from Lucasfilm, and Trey White joins us live to talk all things Star Wars. All that and more coming up now. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to Telling the Odds. This is episode 15. What the hell is the date? It's the uh, 31st of August yep. or the 30th of August. If or it's we're, coming a uh, day later, bro. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a special reason why. There is a special reason why. I hope you guys are all doing very well out there in... Uh, in, in, in the world. Um, we've got a pretty jam-packed show for you guys today. We've got a lot of good discussion coming your way. But first... Uh, You're so privileged I'm... to announce that we have our first guest on uh, Telling the Odds podcast, and it is uh, Trey White from Movie Mania podcast. Trey, how's it going? Woo! Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's going okay. Everyone's going fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm here in the, still stuck in the 30th of August here in my time <laughs> zone. But uh, yeah, I'm doing... I'm doing all right, all things considered. Yeah, that's mm. great. Good to hear it. Well, we're very happy to have you, Trey. Um, I, mean, I know that. Um, I'm, yeah, like... I'm personally very happy. Uh, I've been <laughs> yeah. a fan of Movie Mania since like its inception, pretty much. Oh, I can't work out what my first episode was. It would have been early on. I've seen a lot of it, but it's, it's like such a privilege to have you on the podcast. Um, so and to, like I just I love your opinions and like Star Wars and like uh, you're really good at holding conversations. So I'm really excited to see how you'll contribute to the discussions. Uh, I appreciate that. No pressure. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, you're right. No, you're right. Yeah, no pressure whatsoever, <laughs> I'm sure you'll, Michael. Do you'll do all right, yeah. yeah. We're off to a great start. Uh, yeah. yeah, as soon as I saw uh, the Jedi in your Twitter handle, uh, Trey, I was ready. Okay, this is going to go well. Yeah. It's going to go very well. Uh, no, we're going to have a great show for you today. I was just curious and think of it as like the inundation to the Star to uh, telling the odds. Um, what's your? Who's your favorite Star Wars character? Oh, that's a oh shit! <laughs> um, Should have given you these questions a, beforehand. I don't know. I don't know if we're allowed to swear on the show. I will keep. It's my fine. We're Australian. Oh, it's fine. It's literally. It's. it's, it's if we didn't. We would lose our Australian cards. <laughs> Michael, they would focus it in the it's, mail. <laughs> it's fine. We're Australians. That's yeah. Um, my favorite Star Wars character. Oh man, it's probably Yoda. But like, that's a good if I would, choice. If I'm able to skip like prequel Yoda just because I think prequel Yoda is like this weird warmongering psychopath (laughs) so I guess like I guess like post Jedi purge Yoda where he's like chilled out and figured out how the force works yeah me and Jack do tend to to gush a bit whenever Yoda's brought up like whenever we were talking about our favorite quotes both me and Jack were Yoda quotes out Mm -hmm. like separate films like I really I I chose the Yoda quote from Empire and Jack chose the Yoda quote from uh, Last, Last Jedi. Jedi, and yeah, yeah, we're big fans of Yoda here. I just had to think about like because yeah. anytime I watch The Last Jedi, or like anytime I put like a scene with Yoda in, and I get emotional. Yep. And like I, I did a rewatch with some friends because uh, they had never seen them, and when we got to Last Jedi, and Yoda showed up. Like I got just like yep. my, uh, my eyes felt really choked up, and so I guess I by default I kind of have to choose him. Mm. Oh yeah. I no, mean, I had chills uh, when he showed up in the cinemas. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. feel the same. No, no, no. When I saw, like, when I when Last Jedi first came out, I went to the midnight screening uh, at our local cinema Ooh. because Michael and I live quite close to each other. And um, when Yoda showed up, I was just like, oh, dude, like I almost lost it. And when he said, um, uh, like, you know, young Skywalker missed you, have I, and stuff like yeah. that, that was that was that that hit me hard. Especially like you know, if you watch the uh, the behind the scenes of Last Jedi, when you see Mark Hamill see that for the first time, and he says, "Young Skywalker missed you, have I?" He 
loses it. Like he got as emotional as we did, apparently, yeah. which is seems very so yeah. That very that that behind the scenes documentary that I think it's on Disney Plus now, but the director and the Jedi, it's really great insight into like how that movie itself got made. And yeah, no, absolutely. Like I love the director and the Jedi. I've got it because I've got Last Jedi on Blu-ray, and I've watched that. I actually watched it recently because I had watched the Skywalker Legacy, the documentary for Rise of Skywalker. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I found that I found that really interesting, and I found a Skywalker saga. Uh, sorry, not Skywalker saga. Uh, yeah, director and the Jedi, really interesting. Mm. But anyway, we've got some news to get into. Uh, so, yes. Um, now our first news story for the day has to do with the Mandalorian season two trailer. <laughs> I love that two weeks ago we were like Mandalorian trailer coming next week, yeah. coming next week. Um, <laughs> It's not here, so don't hold that against us. Don't come at us with pitchforks and torches. Um, But uh, yeah, apparently we have some reasoning for why that is the case. So with even us falling subject to it, like we were just saying, practically the entire Star Wars... A fairly large amount of people were like, it's coming this week, so... Exactly, yeah. Well, no, it it wasn't confirmed, but it was as close to confirmed as it could be. By not happening. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And practically the entire Star Wars fan base was expecting the trailer for the second season to drop last week during what was uh, currently the NBA playoffs, which, uh, yeah... Play a basketball (laughs) thing. Which which we know a lot about in Australia. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, keep going <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah you can be our American correspondent on that regard right? yeah. that, that oh, do you know I what a basketball is basketball yeah that's my I know a basketball yeah that's perfect yeah. <laughs> we do cricket here um, and, yeah. and, and, and an Australian version of football so yeah, exactly. Uh, but still, despite putting us on the edges of our seats, we still have not received the trailer, leaving the fan base to speculate when it will drop, with barely two months left until Mandalorian Season 2 premieres on Disney+. And yet, as about, uh, of, of about three days ago, it was reported on the Kessel Run Transmissions channel, which we'll, which we'll have the link for below. Cool. Um, yeah, and we've actually gotten a couple of news stories from this, uh, from this channel, as have a lot of people, because this story has been um, talked about on various sites when we were doing our research. Uh, there's a specific and frankly exciting reason why the trailer might not have dropped yet, and that is because, according to Lucasfilm, um, they have since reported on several sites already that the trailer features one whole scene where Rosario Dawson's Ahsoka Tano gets caught in a brawl with two bounty hunters in a familiar quote-unquote familiar cantina uh as a result taking the time to film and produce the extended scene is what has caused this delay despite the fact that this scene is being specifically uh, filmed for the trailer and it will apparently not actually appear in the series uh the fact that lucasfilm has chosen to take the time to to film a whole scene to act as the first promo of the show's second season has left fans wondering how much of this delay will cause for the trailer and when the actual trailer will be released uh subsequently so there you go. That's um yeah. pretty interesting thing that I certainly didn't expect to read, but there you go. So that apparently they're just taking time to film a whole scene for the trailer. Um, interesting that they're doing it like not for the show, but just for the trailer. That like yeah, like that. They're it, going it's not put a lot of effort into the marketing. Like exa- well, yeah. I mean, like when you've got a person like Ahsoka Tano coming to live action for the first time with a fan base that she's amassed, especially you want that to be a big event. And yeah, exactly. Trailer, exactly. Because I know for a fact that when she shows up, I'm going to lose it. So Dude, it's going to be so um, good. Have you, yeah. you seen Clone Wars, Trey? No, that's my big Star Wars sin. Oh no, I used that's to watch right. bits and pieces yeah. when I was. I've seen the 2D version, like all of the 2D version. Oh yeah. Um, but oh, that's yeah. like, but that's like not the big be all end all of the canon. I think like the 2008 series is. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's yeah, right. No, we're, we're, we're big Clone Wars fans here, but that's like that's the thing yeah. we love about Star Wars is it can be enjoyed by such a wide range of people, and so like you can enjoy just the films and be 100% still a Star Wars fan. So yeah, yeah. honestly, I ha- I hadn't seen Rebels until very recently, so like you know, and we still has... haven't seen Resistance, so <laughs> they keep pumping them out, don't they? Know, it's too many. Has, has anyone? Has anyone uh, my mum has. Resistance? My mum's has. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, regardless. Um, yeah, I mean, it lends itself to a, a pretty, like, you know, in-universe contextual discussion about why she's, like, yeah. well, first of all, it says, quote-unquote, familiar cantina, and if they put, like, you know, fancy little quotation I mean, marks around that, it sort I mean, of begs the question, familiar. like, is it, like, you know, is it the Mos Eisley cantina? Is there probably? a more familiar cantina than the Mos Eisley? I feel like that's Do you know, yeah. isn't the Mos Eisley cantina in Mandalorian? Yeah, it was in... Didn't he, didn't was. he visit it in, like, episode five or six? He yeah. did episode five when he goes after uh, Ming Na Wen's bounty hunter character with That's that, right, you know, yeah, with yeah. that, with that cocky asshole bounty hunter guy who wanted Star him to be killed. Encyclopedia here. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's got Wikipedia open up in the third. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it did show up in that episode, so it's clearly already featured in the show. So why not? Uh, why not <laughs> another time? Um, and I, I also j- did just put it down in like you know the 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 log line in the running sheet about like you know a contextual reason why she's being hunted by bounty hunters because well it doesn't specifically say that she is being hunted but she gets into a skirmish with bounty hunters so Makes like sense. it begs that like you know just hypothetically for the sake of argument let's say like they're there to you know engage with her whatever with so. her, you know because um, we've already it, seen that in Mandalorian the remnants of the Empire that are still there are hiring bounty hunters to like obtain. I mean, I assume the reason they wanted Baby Yoda was Force users, but at least you know, like sending bounty hunters out to do tasks for them. So it wouldn't it wouldn't be too outside of the question to like assume they sent bounty hunters after Ahsoka. So. Yeah, no, that would make sense. Is that you? You know what? I've never actually even thought of it like this, and that's actually a very interesting point, Michael. Is that like you know, um, in terms of them sending guild members out to get, you know, if there's if there are still Jedi out there, then that might be how you know Mando comes to meet her because maybe he's assigned to. Maybe. Find her, and then that's Although, how they meet. Uh, I don't know how friendly he is with the Empire after the season finale of. Uh, I don't know how friendly he is with the guild, right? Isn't yeah, doesn't it imply that he kind of ran off and did his own thing at the end of the, that is true. Yeah. the series? Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, like he said, is he's he's off on his own mission to like you know find Baby Yoda's people, and so. Uh, but then again, like very, like right before he left, Grief Cargo was like, "Oh, when you'll return, you'll have the pick of all quarries." But that's like, but but that's like you know, that's so good. <laughs> that's open to interpretation because he didn't always tell the truth. But you know, it's it's Carl Weathers, so you want to keep Carl him Weathers around. Such a good part of that show. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Um, Interesting. Like you it, said you have here is because it's like talking about how where we last saw Ahsoka was at the end of Rebels. Where oh, do you, you don't mind if I spoil Rebels for you, do you, Trey? No, I've I've seen videos on the end of Rebels. Oh, yeah. like, I watched yeah. Husband yeah. Variety Hour and all those guys. So, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, she uh, goes off with uh, what's um, Sab- Sabine, Sabine to try and find Sabine, right. Ezra, and so I I I mean I feel like it's unlikely, but we'd at least have to hear about like what happened to them with like Rebels or whatever. Because like, it well, hey, Dave Filoni's in charge. Dave Filoni's that's in charge, true. so yeah. he's got a lot of holes to fill. And like, you know, that's another thing is that it was very, it, it's very ambiguous in terms Rebels ending. I mean, like how much of a time jump there was because like that's you know, Sabine, Sabine has different hair, like all that stuff. Like you know, yep. it doesn't. Yeah, so we're not sure if that scene where she's like looking at the like that um that memorial of the mm. ghost crew, and then she turns around and sees Ahsoka in her like monk like. 
Gandalf yep. cloak and staff. Um, we <laughs> don't. We, we don't. Ending. Uh, yeah, we don't know. We don't know how long after Rebels or even Return of the Jedi that was. So yep. we don't know. Maybe that's like way off into the future, like sequel, pre, like in you know, a sequel trilogy era. Yeah. I don't know. Um, that's true. Because I think this was actually reported on like weeks ago on one of our first episodes, Michael, when they released some character details for Ahsoka and how like you know we will see her as a character in Mandalorian. Yep. They said she's going to be having a like a grey ripped cloak, sort of like the one at the end of of um of Clone Wars. She's going to have blue lightsabers, not green or yeah. white ones. So yeah, it 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 really begs the question as to this like really almost kind of confusing chronology as to yeah her development it, where she is. It's kind of like. If the people that liked her in Clone Wars or whatever, and like they want her after that, not knowing that we've already seen her after that in Rebels, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. yeah, but like you know, the other thing is that like you know they need to be able to, um, you know, not just show oh my god it's Ahsoka yay live action Ahsoka yeah. finally, but they also need to be able to like you know develop her properly for people like you know Trey and others who haven't actually seen Clone Wars who don't know a lot about Ahsoka, but yeah. like yeah, um, a small part of me hopes that like. Because I think Star Wars is really good at, at keeping the canon, like, I, I kind of don't want this to feel like the mem- the MCU in the sense of, like, if, if, if I don't know who the Wasp is, when yep. she shows up at Endgame, I don't go, huh, what, who, who is this? I like the idea of, like, if Ahsoka shows up and, and runs into Mando and Baby Yoda, that there's enough there to where her character is it's still relevant to the story but it's not just like uh kind of a a handoff for fans who are for fans of that character yeah. to begin with so that makes sense yeah i understand I, th- I think so um it would be kind of strange for them not to do it at all especially considering how much of a broad appeal the mandalorian has as a, like a star yeah. wars tv show like it was incredibly popular and so i think they would definitely how take a take a lesson from the MCU in in like that there is this extended you can go further and further in the MCU but like you need to be able to have everyone know exactly what's going on who just watched the film themselves so mm-hmm. I think they would definitely do that. Um, yeah, you know, um, it was like you know, it's sort of it's they've been toying around with the idea. I think Kathleen Kennedy said it at one point where they were sort of maybe thinking of going more along that route like you know sort of like an mcu multi-layered like you know multi-movie thing that begins to you know converge in all these different points and yeah you can do that and it's proven to work for the mcu and marvel but with something like star wars it's such a vast vast universe that it's like to what extent can you do it to the point where it'll also work yeah but at the same time that is the difference right because i feel yeah. like oh i particularly when the sequel trilogy was getting released, a lot of fans were championing for someone like Kevin Feige to come in and, and take the reins of the films. And while I understand that mentality of wanting that from Star Wars, wanting an interconnected series of movies, you're right, it's already so vast. There's already so much in connecting media that I feel like it would seem rather, I don't want to say pointless, but it would seem like a mood point to try and yeah. turn the Star Wars franchise into the MCU because they are vastly different ideas. Yeah. I kind of prefer the DC method of things that we're going to make comparisons. I like the idea of like, we can get a movie like Birds of Prey and the Batman also coming out at the same time. And I feel like in a world where Star Wars gets homogenized like Marvel, we wouldn't get that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, because there is this overall looking, uh, like, group that like runs the stuff or has been doing looking over the star wars since yeah uh, i'm not sure when which is the, like the lucasfilm story group but they're yeah. more for like canon consistency than overall like film coherency or whatever right. um but also i think because star wars 
more than like the MCU, and I guess, as you said, closer to DC, is such a multimedia property. Like, mm-hmm. yes, the majority of people just watch the films. And I guess recently with The Mandalorian, a growing percentage also watch the TV shows. But you can go down layer and layer. Like, there are video games that are very popular with some people that, like, just love the video games or love the video games the most. There are, like, comic books and, like, novels that are really big. And so I think this idea of, like, uh, keeping it as one coherent universe, I think Star Wars, one, one thing I really like about it is, as I said, you can have dif- different fans who are, like, into certain parts of the Star Wars universe and like all no matter how far into the Star Wars universe it's it's all like official Star Wars and they're all like proper fans of it so like um you can have someone who just just watches the films and they can get their complete Star Wars experience and can be happy completely happy with it and then you can have someone who reads like every single novel and every single novel works together in a coherent canon with every single film and still works and that's that's the one one thing I think is really good about the Star Wars universe I agree yeah, you know, um, it's it's sort of like, you know, you just need to, have, uh, you know, make sure that you don't, like, get into that thing that could have happened if they did it wrong in the MCU, where just like, oh, you've got all these movies, but like, oh, wait, no, you didn't see, like, episode blah, blah, blah of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Like, you're not going to, under- you're not going to understand what who this person is. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, do I don't think... Yeah, luckily they didn't delve into that very like you know extensively in MCU because yeah, that they haven't brought the Coulson storytelling. back to the movies. I think which yeah, is like the prime example of that. Yeah, yeah that would uh, be so very strange if they did that. You would need to ensure that you're like you know if they wanted to do say like hypothetically like you know in the future trilogy like you know you need to they bring in Grief Cargo they bring in Cara Dune from the series that we already have or like mm-hmm. you know other ancillary characters that will show up in Kenobi and then they start to show up in the movies and then and then you're sort of just like oh no but you needed to see this if you want to understand that person. So, to be fair, we did already kind of get that with Star Wars. Um, in Solo, Darth Maul just shows up. And anyone who's only watched the films would just be like, hang on, did this guy die? Yeah, well, when I was watching Solo, I was like, everyone in the theater is going to be real confused right now. Because, like, I know that Darth Maul's back. Um, Even though I haven't seen Clone Wars, I've seen the fights on YouTube. Because they're awesome. But, like... Yeah. Mm. Um, Yeah, no, because that's... I I love all those, like, those memes that you see on either Facebook or YouTube where it's, like, um, one person saying, uh, like... (laughs) <laughs> why is Darth Maul back and then there's that person like next to a giant like a beautiful mind board with like crazy like <laughs> I haven't slept in seven weeks eyes and just like okay th- th- there's, there's Clone Wars and, and Phantom Menace and <laughs> yeah so yeah. I feel it, that's it's that's very good. um that, that's, that's very uh um what's the word poignant to to what could happen but I have yeah. I like to have uh faith that they that that wouldn't they wouldn't delve into that like you know territory too much I think mm. they can, you know, create a good um, balance between what you, what fans maybe haven't seen and how you would integrate that into the the main storytelling arcs that they're going for in the well, the, in, in the beauty the of bringing years. of bringing those extended universe characters into the movies is that the movie watchers won't know who those extended universe characters are, yeah. or you know, yeah. so you bring Ahsoka Tano or Ezra, Kanan's dead, I guess, but um, yeah. but like anyone into the into the films and the audience, they're, they're those are new characters as far as they're concerned. You know, yeah, if, they, if episode exactly. 10 comes out and tells the story of Sabine doing such and such on planet yada yada, that's just the story of Sabine. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. It's like kind of similar to how in Rogue One, uh, you could just totally look at mm-hmm. um, uh, Saw Gerrera as just a new character completely introduced and right. like not know that he was a character in Clone Wars to begin with. And like, that's perfectly yeah. fine. Although well, exactly. I was saying to do, to do with Solo, 
to be fair, um, basically no one watched Solo, so like the fact that like the fact <laughs> people that did watch enough. Solo who didn't also watch Clone Wars, I feel like. Yeah, I was practi- I was practically alone in the cinema when I saw Solo. Um, I, I went to a free screening, that's why it was packed. So it was based, it was like the only Star Wars film that I was ever like, oh, I, I guess I guess we're gonna see that in cinemas. I don't know, like, do we? What do you think that know. is, by the way? Was it was it because it came out five months after Last Jedi, or I don't know? Um, I'm not sure. I would me? like. I would oh, so like to say I would like to say no, but I think I have to say yes because okay. of the because look um you know no secret there is uh, in, in case you guys didn't know there's some uh, divisiveness regarding the Last Jedi, oh, um, which none yeah. of us have but you know we're, we're yeah, really, I've like, never like, heard that on my own podcast what no <laughs> oh you yeah <laughs> I, I I have issues with the film but overall I will I, I still like you know yeah. like it but yeah. um the the fact that it did receive such a beating so uh, uh, you know it sort of gave me a little bit of um what's the word um like like a pessimistic viewpoint on star wars for a little bit almost unintentionally because i've always loved star wars and that's not going to change but incidentally it sort of made me when solo came out i'm just like okay yeah yeah yeah, i'll see it um there was something about last jedi or there's something about last jedi and i think it was it began a little bit with force awakens but i think last jedi propelled and like we entered this new wave of like demand from Star Wars fans. And I feel like it kind of kind of soiled the air around talking about Star Wars to the fact that like when people were in theaters watching, I don't know, A Quiet Place and they saw a trailer for Solo, everyone just went, oh, more Star Wars. It's like when my grandma sees a Spider-Man trailer, she goes, oh, another one? Because yeah. to her, she, just, she, doesn't, she doesn't know the difference between Far From Home and Spider-Man 3, you know? Yeah. So it's... No, that's- yeah. I think that might, I think that plays apt. into it because Star Wars fans are a huge market, but you also have to get in Joe Schmo from the middle of America to go see a go see Solo a Star Wars story because Rogue One is a movie about all new characters that we know nothing about and and, and that's yeah. a that's a very nerdy topic to cover in a movie, but it mm. still made a billion dollars. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. I'd say with Rogue One, it's probably just because at that point Star Wars was still like brand new and like everyone was like. Actually, I I knew a very large amount of people who went into Rogue One thinking it was the sequel to Force Awakens. Oh, so, fair enough. Oh, which, that was like, yeah, like no, I, how does that happen? Um, but yeah, no, no, no. That that was literally like the almost the consensus by people who were like you know sure because yeah. up until I, I guess it was like sort of a thing. Maybe people thought around to 1999. Oh, um, they're making a sequel to the last one. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. We're going back. Um, this was the first time when you sort of got a like a really out of order thing where you've gone 30 years in the future. And then literally a year later in 2016, you're going back to a few years before the first film. That's where they keep the numbers in the title. Like I'm so, my biggest complaint about the marketing is that they don't call them episode seven, eight or nine anymore. Like it's just Star Wars, the force awakens. Like I would, I miss the prequel trailers where it's like episode two attack of the clones. (laughs) I love like the the Shakespeare of it all. Like keep it as campy as it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah, um, I know. I know. For me, the big we were talking about the reasons why we didn't see Solo. I mean, oh, we did. Well, we all did see it. But I think for me, I was just really not mad. I was just kind of really sad and disappointed with Lucasfilm at that time, especially because with everything going on with uh, how they got rid of uh, uh, Lord Miller. Lord Miller. That's yes. it. And I was, yeah. I was so excited for Solo. That that was my mm-hmm. most anticipated film of like the most recent like the films coming up, and it became yeah. like my least favorite. 
No, I got to agree. In like, you oh, know, actually, when, when, I forgot when, about Rise of Skywalker. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> we can all forget about Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> no, like, look, we, we've had a we've had discussions about it in the past, and like, you know, I was really looking forward to Solo because Lord and Miller were attached, and they are so it's so good. So t- they were they are Into so the talented. is one of the best animated films ever. Well, that's that's that, that's that's the thing is that they were fired from Solo literally in the same year. They make Spider Verse, which won an Academy Award for Best Animated Feature of yeah. the Year. So, um, yeah, that, I bet Lucasfilm was looking at that and they were like, "Damn!" But uh, anyway, um, I think that's uh, we'll, we'll get more into this discussion around the time that we just get into like a whole yeah. you know the Star Wars stories we want to <laughs> is see. This supposed to be a um, news section about the Mandalorian. <laughs> no, no, no. This is this is this is this is brilliant. This is what I wanted. I knew, and honestly, I knew is what we get. Yeah. Just these really just discussions based on something that was just said that arrived that like you know sprouts all this other conversation, which is great. classic movie um, mania. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. So our second topic uh has to do with synopsis details for the Kenobi series. Um. With practically nothing for so long, like there was a huge like absence of any news regarding Kenobi, and then like so suddenly over the next over the last couple of weeks, they're just like, oh, shooting next month. Uh, now you're getting synopsis details, blah blah blah. Well, didn't um, they? They took a break back to do like nine months of rewrites, didn't they? Like they they spent a long time rewriting the show based on what I yeah. heard. But yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. They they did take some time to rewrite the show, and hopefully, like you know, that doesn't have you know any adverse impact on how the film turn uh, film series turns out. But yeah. with someone like director. Ch- uh, uh, Deborah Cho on board. Um, I I think she's going to do really well based on what we saw in Mandalorian. But anyway, this week, the series uh, brings even more details, not on filming or casting, but actually what the show itself will be uh, based around. Reportedly, the Kenobi series is going to have a heavy emphasis on Clone Wars flashbacks, with both Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen returning as Obi-Wan and Anakin in their famous Clone Wars attire, like, you know, with that shield plating on their collarbones and that weird black triangle thing that was on Obi-Wan's chest. Uh, uh, And uh, where was I up to? These flashbacks will aim to develop their time as brothers in the war in a way that was just as vast as what they had already seen and done in Clone Wars. Um, Additionally, the script for the show will follow the newly formed and powerful Galactic Empire on the hunt for Kenobi, with one person being personally interested in the hunt for the Jedi Hermit, that of course being Darth Vader. Um, there's also been widespread speculation that Commander Cody will be heavily featured in the series. However, it is unknown whether his inclusion in the series will take place in these flashbacks particularly, or as one of the high-ranking Stormtrooper commanders in the present under the new Imperial regime. Um, clearly, the new series will have strong ties to Kenobi's past and the people that knew him, and how that subsequently will affect his new life as uh, the Tatooine Hermit. So... Um, well, I mean, like, you know, we sort of we just said, it seems like they're delving a lot into the past to uh, inform what we see of Kenobi in the present. Because, and honestly, I think that's a pretty uh, reasonable uh, way yeah. to approach things. Because if you're like a, a, a you know, des- deserted hermit who's just like, you know, only there to protect this child, you know, you'd have a lot of time to just think back and honestly just sort of focus on what I would imagine would be guilt for maybe what happened to Anakin, how he feels maybe responsible yeah. for that. But yeah, so definitely I mean, going through like an emotional um, growth of some kind on Tatooine. Like, I mean, I don't know how much plot's going to happen towards his like twenty years on on Tatooine, but it's probably going to do a lot of introspection of some sort. <laughs> yeah, no, I would imagine so because there's a lot because you know he he spends a lot of time on his own, so that gives a lot of time to actually develop Kenobi as a character. Because say what you will about you and McGregor, he's amazing in the prequels, and Kenobi himself is 
a really awesome character, what they did with him and Satine's relationship in Clone Wars. And they really just built him up as this person who like has these things that he would have wanted to do, but knows that he can't do them because he has this responsibility as a Jedi. That level of restraint is why Obi-Wan is one of my favorite characters, if not my favorite. Um, but in other areas of his life, there hasn't been a lot of, um, you know, development as to how his mental psyche works like you know just as a character and like you know a series that's completely focused on him where he spends a lot of time alone is i think a great um you know way to do that what would you yeah. say trey i think it's an interesting take for sure because i i think that when we all heard that the idea of like either it'll be one movie or something involving kenobi we kind of all knew it was going to happen right so it was finally announced I think the big contention from what I saw is that everyone was kind of thinking we were going to get something similar to more like Logan, but with an older Obi-Wan Kenobi, I think, in terms yeah. of like this aging Jedi trying to make his way around the world of Tatooine. And, and I think that going back to the Clone Wars is a nice kind of way around to that because you can also appease the idea like you can appease the Clone Wars fans who want to see Kenobi kind of further explored in that world. Um, but then you can also get the kind of emotional weight that you would get from something like an older Kenobi. My question is, do you guys think, because based on what we saw from the, based on the apparent leak for the Ahsoka Tana uh, stuff and what we already saw from the Mandalorian, are we, because it's a lot of sand planet. It's a lot of Tatooine yeah. that we're getting from the, from the canon right now. Um, I don't know why that is per se. Maybe they're trying to keep the, they're trying to help like bring back fans after the discourse from last Jedi, but well, how do we feel about this? I think, I think definitely. Yeah. You, I think you hit it right there where it's like, they're trying to show, I mean, they don't want to do new things, but they also mm. want to keep it to what like fans are comfortable with. And I guess in a superficial way, a way to do that is just have it on Tatooine, like have it as much as like, you, it might just be like, Oh, it's like superficial. Like there is definitely an element of nostalgia, like seeing the Tatooine again in the Mandalorian is like, this is like one of the places that we grew up with, like watching the films. And so I think one of the reasons why for that is like definitely just having that familiar element that people can be like, oh yeah, this is this is Tatooine. I love I love like this is what I watched in A New Hope. I think definitely a way of like uh, keeping fan like older fans who maybe just like disappointed or like weren't a fan of how different um, the sequel trilogy were. I think that's probably a way to keep them in. Yeah, you know, uh, well, also, I'd like to just say, now that the sentence, there's a lot of sand, has been said on this podcast, we're never getting Hayden Christensen on as a guest. Um, no. but, <laughs> I do like that news, by the way, the idea that Hayden Christensen gets to return. I think that's awesome. Cause, yeah. I would love to, I would yeah. love, love he's not the problem to see with Hayden Christensen movies, back. by the way. Yeah, no. um, well, because, like, you know, that, look. We, we've done, we've story, done a perspective can, on the prequel we can, trilogy. We can, we, can get in, we can get into this later. The idea that Hayden Christensen was at one point in Rise of Skywalker but was cut out. What? That is a, another I, story. His voice is another, still there. I know that. His, his, his voice is there. His voice yeah. is there. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know yeah. it was, like, official confirmed that he was going to be, like, on screen or anything. Yeah, story for another day. Oh, wow. <laughs> there were leaks. Yeah. I remember the leaks in, like, That's 2018. Sad. They were like, yeah, oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, what you guys were talking about in terms of like, you know, having Tatooine be the main setting for this show. Like, yes, it seems as though very recently Star Wars has really gone back to, oh, you remember this place? Because it's where it all started and we all have a massive affinity for, for, for Tatooine because it's, it's Tatooine. 
Tatooine is Tatooine. But also, in terms of making a show, a show that is paced well, that, that is structured well, you, you are bogged down by the fact that the setting never changes. Because as we know it, Kenobi didn't leave Tatooine, but maybe he did, we don't know. Um, in, yeah. in terms of like a, giving contextual reasoning for maybe the fact that he stayed, like it, 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 it's, it's reasonable to believe that he never left because of the responsibility that he had for Luke. But then when we got those reports uh, a couple weeks ago, when we reported on the fact that Kenobi was casting two children two children for unknown roles, people were thinking, oh, it's Luke and Leia. And so if we were to see Leia in her, like, you know, infancy or, like, childhood, would we be travelling to Alderaan? Would we be leaving Tatooine? I don't know, because, like, you know, it would serve the pacing of the story so that you're not just on a sand planet all the time. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm not sure how much reasoning that gives in, t in like, you know, an in-universe explanation, like, you know, whether or not Kenobi ever left. Because if he did, I'd sort of be like okay, but would that have really happened? Like, he has this responsibility to look out for Anakin's son, but I don't know. Like, listen, they've done a lot of rewrites as we were just talking about, and um, it's not up to us, of course, so we'll see how it happens. But um, yeah, it's it, 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 it's a, it is an interesting topic to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what else to say on that, but um, yeah, I it's... I, I guess another thing that I would talk about is like, you know... Or with all these Clone Wars flashbacks and how they're saying, oh, Darth Vader's interested in hunting down Kenobi and stuff like that. That's all great. And that's stuff that we sort of like knew about but have never seen. But at the same time, it's sort of like this whole uh, thing where every time, you know, Mandalorian season two trailer is talked about or just the season in general, they're just like, oh, Captain Rex, Boba Fett, Bo-Katan, all these people that we've seen before. I want Kenobi to be a chance for us to meet completely new people, yep. to have everyone interact with people that we've never seen before and how he interacts with those people. Um, because it's a completely new show in an area in terms of like the Star Wars timeline that we have really never seen before, that we've skipped it completely from between episodes three and four. So I would love to see Vader. I'd love to see Commander Cody in some capacity, but at the same time, I want to see new people and I want to see what Deborah Chow can do as a, um, as a, as a, you know, or filmmaker, yeah. even though it's TV. Um, so yeah, I'm sort of like split down the middle in that regard, but yeah. I think just like hearing all this news about, especially the idea of possible clo uh, flashbacks, uh, Hayden Christensen coming back, I'm just, it's just got me so excited for the show again. Um, and I know it's going to be, it's like ages off, but like, oh, it's, it's so good to be excited for Star Wars again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good feeling, isn't it? To be like, oh, thank God, I'm looking forward to something again after. Yeah. <laughs> you hear Palpatine <laughs> laugh in that Rise of Skywalker teaser and you just go, oh. Yeah. <laughs> there goes all the excitement that teaser just built up <laughs> that's true yeah. that's true you know i was th i was actually thinking about that very recently and look your your blind star wars brain that activates when you see something new often goes like you know when i heard palpatine's laugh i was just like wait wait what and i did get really excited when i saw ian mcdermott on that star wars celebration stage oh, yeah. but in the, but but in the time uh but the, but in the time after and like the days coming and i would talk to michael about it and stuff i'd be like Eh, doesn't that like completely detract from Anakin's sacrifice? But whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and then my response was, like, I'm sure they'll do it in a clever way. A character. What's that? I was, I was saying, uh, my response to Jack was like, I'm sure that they'll treat it in like a clever way and they won't disappoint us. This is oh, Star yeah. Wars we're talking about. Oh, I mean, yeah. Jay Abrams, the guy who can do a sequel and an ending, he's really good at both of those things. <laughs> those are <those> two skills. <laughs> JJ, JJ, God bless JJ, has never met a landing he couldn't stick. <laughs> 
But, uh, <laughs> but, he's um, really good at jumping off the platform. It's, you know, yes. it's making sure he doesn't shatter his ankle is the problem. Every time. <laughs> Every time. That's absolutely true. Um, well, I think that's a great way to finish that story. Um, and we'll get into our third story for the day, which actually has to do with um, some video games, which we haven't gone into a whole lot of detail about on the podcast. But I know mm. that, Michael, you've been dying to talk about something like this because yeah. you have a huge affinity for that. We're sort a of video like, game podcast now. It was sort of like what was your that was your in for the Star Wars universe. Like, I guess it was for me too because I God I I spent hours playing Lego Star Wars. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah, it's got a very rich fan base. Star Wars is a long lasting partnership with the Lego Group and the cadre of games that that relationship has given us since the first Star Wars Lego game was released in two thousand five. God, that makes me feel old. Um, and <laughs> yeah, two thousand five. That was um, Lego Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Lego Star Wars the video game uh, that had like you know all those I think it was that it, it was for episodes 1, 2 and 3 yep, and the first then they had one the original tr- the prequels and then like yeah. a year later or later that year I think they did the one with both of them oh, sorry with the one with this original trilogy and then like about a couple of years later they did them both together yeah <laughs> remember when that game was called the complete saga <laughs> how, <laughs> how ignorant were that how complete um, are you now yeah. yeah, and then they did, you know, they they did Lego Force Awakens, um, and obviously they didn't do Lego Last Jedi: Rise of Skywalker because they, had, they, 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 they already had plans to do to do yeah. this one. Yeah, what would that have been like? Isn't Lego God. Last Jedi, you're like go yeah. left, um, and then your character just goes right. What do you try to go? Left? <laughs> the thing is about Lego Force Awakens is like at first I was kind of disappointed in terms of like you'd want it to be about like, all the Star Wars films, and it was like just Force Awakens, but like. Yeah. Thing, that actually was like a pretty good game like it had a fairly large amount of content in terms of like yeah they really stretched out how much like what was in that film to like the entire length of a game which you know it was quite fun. yeah it really wasn't i mean like yeah it, it wasn't in any capacity my favorite lego game um but yeah i enjoyed it i've, pl- I've played it and i enjoyed it yeah. um yeah and the clone wars lego game i love i have a huge affinity for that game it might be my favorite honestly i just Very love good. that game um how many and this- seasons did it have the, the game? The Clone yeah. Wars game? Was it just the first um, two? Yeah, I think it was only the first two. It didn't yeah. go into like later, season four, season five. No. Because if you did, you would have had clone troopers being impaled <laughs> and all this adult themes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they already have the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the fish scene. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Sorry. We, we need to add context to Trey. Yeah. So we're just going to go off on like weird tangents, Trey. We apologize. But... Um, uh, a, a while ago, I think it was we were talking about um, uh, this 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 character called Nadar Veb in Clone Wars, who is Kit Fisto's apprentice, and he's a member of the Mon Calamari. Yeah. Um, and it's there's basically a, an episode of Clone Wars where that paddle one goes and fights him, and he dies. He dies. And it's oh tragic, Kit like Fisto. Him. I lost my apprentice. Blah blah blah. Um, to put it simply, that that character is a dick, and we don't <laughs> like him because he was because he was he was up his own ass the entire episode. <laughs> he's and he's like just a cocky little guy. Twat. He was. He really was. Um, uh, and the fact that he gets shot by Grievous is like, oh, we don't want to be too morbid here, but That's we weren't incredibly, good. we weren't incredibly disappointed with that. Pretty but good. the, but, but as you know, in the Clone Wars game, you got to make everything G-rated. Like you, like you know, uh, if someone gets like shot with an arrow in the Lord of the Rings games, it's always like a carrot. They get impaled by a carrot. Yeah, um, and if they die, you see they like crawl off in the distance or whatever. Yeah. So obviously, as everyone knows, Mon Calamari is uh, basically the, the the sentient fish of the Star Wars universe. So basically, he dies off screen in the game, and then you just see a fish's skeleton be like thrown over to Kit Fisto, and it's the most like it's the best like, thing ever. 
it's the most subtly dark but also weirdly dark thing that's ever been in a kid's like you know game it's yeah. it's 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 like uh, it's un uh, what it's unintentionally hilarious yeah. but <laughs> regardless oh, such a good um, bit but in terms of the gameplay trailer for the Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga itself, um, it showed us much of what has not yet been seen, including the cutscenes from all the movies that will include originally recorded dialogue from several of Lego Star Wars' most well-known voice actors. Yeah. God, they... Um, I was just thinking about this this morning when I was writing that, and God... Like, like, see, we come from a time when all we got from Lego characters in terms of their speech was grunts. Ugh. Like, you know... <laughs> Yoda death sound? Yes, the Yoda death sound. <laughs> <laughs> that is the... There are, there are, <laughs> iconic, really. The, the it, it, is, it is super iconic. Oh, I just, love how that became a meme. Yeah, it is a meme. Just yesterday when I was writing that, I went onto YouTube and there was like so many Yoda... Like, you know, it's yeah. like... Uh, um, this movie, but every time this yep. person says that, uh, Yoda screams. You've or been like blessed by the um, YouTube algorithm gods with good algorithms. <laughs> no, you know when those comments say, uh, "My YouTube recommended sent yep. me here." Yeah, uh, I've lived, I've lived a good life. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So anyway, in the, <laughs> Sorry, in the trailer, we're talking about Star Wars. I think so. <laughs> like gone on some crazy tangents here. Yeah, leads down yeah. the YouTube algorithms. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the gameplay footage itself uh, shows first player style pod race sequences which is awesome like you know yeah. first first, first um, person first person yeah that's what I meant yeah. first person first style player. pod race sequences reimaginings of the Death Star trench scene and Starkiller base aerial battles when you get to pilot an X-Wing you get to charge AT-ATs and a snowspeeder free roam through the streets of Coruscant and Mos Eisley spaceport alike yeah. which is very exciting oh, I love free awesome. roam whenever it shows up in, in Star Wars Lego exactly um, Reimagined, reimagined lightsaber combat, so you're not just like button smashing and waiting for his hearts to go down. Yep. Um, but th there is something to love about that, regardless. Uh, speeder yeah. bike chase sequences and even levels from the anthology films, as it shows the legendary Rogue One hallway sequence featuring Darth Vader. So I despite think, the fact that it says, I think it's that. I don't know if it's confirmed, but like it's yeah. it's pretty well, likely that there was a show. scene. There was a scene that had the Rogue One audio and him like oh, really? know, sparking up his lightsaber in the hallway. Okay, then that's um, probably that. Yeah. No, that showed up in the very re in like the. Yeah, the yeah. trailer that only dropped yesterday. I know. So even uh, yeah. though, so even though it's a Skywalker Saga game, they're clearly going to lean into yeah. that a little bit. Um, I don't know if they'll be doing any Clone Wars stuff like they did in the Clone Wars game, but I'd love to see that. I Why guess not? We'll will they, will they include they like Lego do. versions of the screams from the guys running in that hallway? Like, yeah, will God, include I... that one guy like begging for his life as he tries to pass this floppy <laughs> disk to another? <laughs> Yeah, the like, God, I, God, I hope everyone. so. That'll be can, the most can you play as Vader in that sequence, or do you have to play the guys? You have to like press X to pass like the the disc award. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the, yeah. They make you play as the people that are killed, but every time, every time you have to play as them as they get killed, and when you get killed, mm -hmm. it pops to another character. Literally, you just yeah. die over and over again. <laughs> if you don't pass it in time, like the the level's over, and Vader gets the disc. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. That. Oh my god. I never even thought about that. What. What side are you on in that? In that. In that level. Oh, I don't know. Um. So yeah. That's. That's. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean. Uh. Yeah, the most important thing in the trailer that's kind of been skipped over is uh they delayed it to like next year. Yeah. Well. I mean, it, like I. Th it was. I think they did. Well, yeah. It was. It was originally going to be on October this year, but um, it got delayed till early 2021, which. Oh. I've got yeah. it listed down as October. I yeah, thought that was right. still the release that's date. Right. Yeah, but that's the thing. So there was a gameplay trailer, and like, what what part of the big announcement is it's being delayed? And it, I mean, like, oh, I get crap. it. Like, 
if there's been everything going on with like the virus and everything, so it makes sense that they might need to delay things. And I'd much prefer a complete game to a rushed game that needs to be delayed. But like, ah, it's it, it's it's really annoying because like I was really looking forward to that like coming out at the end of this year. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and uh, the other thing that they included in the in the gameplay trailer is uh, the classic Lego humor that's completely yep. uh, normal in terms of hardcore fans of these games. Like, you know, when Ray walks up to Luke and it's just like, yeah, she holds out the lightsaber and then he turns around and it's just a bunch of porgs holding up his cloak. Um, and he, like, in that scene in Return of the Jedi when he salutes R2-D2 and he throws him his lightsaber from Jabba's sail barge, he takes a sip of something first and it's blue milk and he leaves it and, it's got, and he's got a blue milk mustache and he has to wipe it off. It's 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 a uh, yeah very it's, good um, that's that's the reason like as much as the Lego games are fun you play the Lego games for like the comedic cutscenes and stuff that's the yeah. reason you do it that 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 sort of humor that dry like honest humor that yeah. is that you can only find in a Lego game that we've gotten so used to now but they never seem to um you know make that bad <laughs> they never they always they always seem to deliver something fresh in that regard um. So yeah, this isn't a, a, as big of a like you know ooh speculation time as the other two stories, but it's a thing that happened. Uh, I haven't played a new Lego Star Wars game in ages, so I'm very excited. Um, Trey, have well, you ever played any of the other Lego Star Wars games? Well, the growing up, it was always like I would go to a friend's house and they always had one of two Star Wars games, and it was Battlefront Two or I guess Lego Star Wars One, whichever one that was. And I do remember. I also remember Lego Indiana Jones, but it was never those were never the games that I had in my like back canon of video games. Oh yeah, uh, I I was a big Mario guy personally. Like I maxed out Mario Kart. I maxed out <laughs> Mario Wii. Yep. That was yeah. my big game. Um, uh, but I do yeah. remember playing my most recent Star Wars game was actually I, I played Jedi Fallen Order. Which was oh, incredible and so much game. fun. We have yet to get it. <laughs> I essentially was a Sith. Like I know it's like the Jedi ways to be peaceful and, and all yeah. impractical, but I so many stormtroopers just sent down cliffs and like pick them up and like throw them into giant alien slugs. And, <laughs> yeah. Is there any other uh, way to play? Yeah. What's up? Is there any other way to play? That's just yeah, no. That's what you got to do. Nine yeah. guys around you just hit R1, you send them all down an edge. You're like, well, that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> a Jedi uses the force for knowledge and defense, never for attack, <laughs> says Yoda. Uh, <laughs> Shut up, Yoda. Exactly. Kill him. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I hope that every time, like, you know, they just need to do an edit somehow of like, every, whenever someone does get shot in this new game, whether it's someone like, you know, getting sliced up by Vader in that hallway, whatever, they need to do like an edit where it is the Yoda scream just every time. <laughs> <laughs> Surely yeah. that must exist. Yeah. Surely. It, well, it if, it's not gonna, yeah. if it's not going to be released officially, someone's going to do it by themselves or yeah. Um, no, I was watching, uh, just again, <laughs> get off this topic after this. We'll get of it eventually. But like, you know, I was watching a YouTube video yesterday where it's like, oh, all these famous movie villain deaths and every time they die, it's the Yoda scream. <laughs> We're back here again. <laughs> I know it's oh it was it was iconic. It it's was brilliant. impossible to get off the Yoda um, death sound tangent. <laughs> yeah, but no, it was like old Yella being like killed with Yoda's <laughs> scream. I'm just like, oh my god, this is so <laughs> this is terrible. I'm gonna, my my, my YouTube amazing. recommended algorithm is going to be so tainted yeah. after this. Oh, I love the ones where it's like they just stack them on top of each other, so it's like one sound, two sounds, four sounds, and it gets to like 17 million sounds, and it's just <laughs> incoherent noise at that point. It's like, and like you set it, you set it to like one dot yep. on your volume, yeah, and it like, and it like destroys it. 
pierces your ears. It's yeah. <laughs> I want an edit uh, of the of the Batman trailer when he starts punching that guy nineteen times, but instead of every punch, it's just the Yoda sound. Yeah, it's gonna be <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. Uh, um, someone needs to do that. Meme um, edits are the savior of this world. <laughs> they are. They're, they're, they're what's keeping this world running right now because yeah. God knows nothing else is. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, that is that story. Uh, Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga. Um, all the more power to you. We'll see you when you come out, apparently next year. Yeah. Um, yeah should be fun. Um, so that is that. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Uh, so that brings us to our main discussion. Now, I'll as we were talking about. At the, yeah, at, at, that's what we were talking about. At the... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the reference. Yeah, yeah. You tickled the nostalgia bone yeah. there. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Our um our major topic for the day. Uh, like we said at the top of the show, we were going to just localize it to Return of the Jedi, but with a guest, we felt like we'd be restricting ourselves because God knows what you can say about Return of the Jedi at this point. It's it's came out in 1983, so... We'll do it next um, week. Yeah. We'll probably do it next week. Uh, but for now, we wanted to do a much richer discussion about the Star Wars stories we'd want to see, what we think about Star Wars right now, like, you know, where we would want new stories to go, new characters, a new era in the Star Wars chronology, whatever. So this is no planning, guys. We just want to have a very <laughs> broad conversation with you, Trey. Yeah. Are encouraged. <laughs> yeah, please. Open and tangential discussions, please. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know what? Uh, I guess I will start out by saying that, like, you know, last week we got this whole thing from Kathleen Kennedy where they said that they're really trying to branch out into the uh, the areas that haven't been talked about a lot when they said that, you know, oh, we... Uh, upon correspondence with what you were talking about, Michael, the, st- the uh, Lucasfilm story group, yep. this is actually a universe that spans like 15,000 years. And that's, and when she said that, I'm just like, uh, well, how do you find out <laughs> Wait, now? What? There's um, more than just 70 years? Yeah. <laughs> um, so they're clearly wanting to expand. And in this new trilogy that they've got set up in like 2023, 2025, and 2027, as well as whatever m- film that Taika Waititi is going to be writing and directing, they're clearly going in new directions, whether it's in the Skywalker saga or not. I don't think it will be. I think that's ended um, until they run out of money, in which we'll get 10 episodes, 10, 11, and 12. Yep. Um, but honestly, I would love to see them just focus on standalone stories like Rogue One or Solo and when you get to see completely new characters go on completely different um, you know adventures stories what do you guys think about that? Yeah uh, I, I definitely for me the thing I most want to see out of Star Wars is as you said like new stories new characters new settings like I love what we've got but like we've, we've, we've just had especially with the sequel trilogy like in terms of it being like a sequel trilogy it makes sense because it was in the Skywalker saga but like so much of it was like re- either retelling or like same characters or like retreading on the ideas and like and arcs of the original trilogy that I, I I'm just I'm excited to see some new things um, and so I think that's definitely whether that whether that be a major time jump like to the past or like far future or whether it just simply be through characters and parts of the Star Wars universe we've never experienced before with something like the Mandalorian or maybe even Kenobi but I think that's what I'm most excited to see just like new star wars content and like sure you can sprinkle in like easter eggs or maybe like single characters from other things that can come into it but i don't know that's just for me what i'm excited for yeah i i I think that i'm happy you brought the idea michael of the far future of star wars because i feel like even if you go into like the old republic times and you go back thousands and thousands of years um sorry one second my computer tried to restart and do an update anyways uh and and i i i kind of i think that in order to 
I think the issue with something like Last Jedi, and I, I'm not going to get into The Last Jedi right now, but I think that it kind of, it presented this idea to Star Wars fans that the franchise was ready to evolve. And I don't think fans were necessarily ready for that to happen. Um, they were not ready for that. So I think even if you tell people that we're going to do something new by going and doing Old Republic, there are still fans out there that will find a way to connect that back into the canon. But I think if you tell a story that's like, 150 years after Ray and everyone else has died and it's like a whole new thing it's like if you were to do a sequel to Legend of Korra but like you did that after Avatar The Last Airbender where it's like two generations removed um, it's years and years into the future and it not only kind of forces the franchise to move forward but also brings this interesting new perspective to Star Wars and I love that idea no no old characters you can maybe hint to what the Jedi used to be. But I also like the idea that it was just, we follow some random person on some random planet 200 years into the future. Yeah. I, I absolutely so agree. Yeah. Cause like, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't really care when it takes place. All I want is uh, a, a story that I can connect with, with new characters that I can like, you know, not only relate to, but also understand what they're doing. And that lends itself to someone who can actually write well, like Taika Waititi. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And as long as you've got that, I don't care where it's set. I just want a good, I just want a, a, a really good story. Oh. But at the same time, oh, yeah. but at the same time, there's like these, these ideas that were sort of focused on in The Last Jedi, but they weren't a very prevalent factor about having stories that you could see in an everyday uh, world like you know a movie like you know a, a movie with a story that would work just as well if you put it in like a in our own universe but it just so happens to exist in the Star Wars universe because like you know something that you got with like you know Maul in Clone Wars and stuff like that or like you know towards the end of Solo there's like a a large like you know story in regards to, like a crime syndicate in the Star Wars universe and as we know like that has shown to work in like other medias not just in Star Wars but yeah. if you were to put that into like a Star Wars context and you lend yourself to a really good um, uh, writing ability yeah. I think that that could be a great idea like you know and something else that I would really love to see you sort of got it got it in Rogue One, but at the same time you didn't. I would love to see a like a Star Wars war movie, like you know, yes. like you know, just just a, like a, a Star Wars, like you know. That's the win. best scene in Solo, in my opinion, is when it like cuts yeah. to him on the battlefield. Yeah, yeah. I forget yeah. what planet they're fighting on, but yeah, Mimba. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I look, I, I um for hobbies, literally just like, you know, because I either get bored, I just want to do it. I've written like scripts in the past just because like, you know, or like, or I've rewritten something that I thought maybe like, Oh, you know what would have been better if this was in there, or at least in my opinion. Um, and I started to toy around with the idea of like, what would happen if you just put like a very tight knit group of, of soldiers on a desolate outer rim planet at some point in the, in the era of the rebellion, whatever. And it's sort of like a, like, you know, a saving private Ryan, they have to traverse, this landscape maybe people get picked off along the way because you sort of got that in Rogue One with the people yeah. on Scarif but at the same time you sort of didn't because like you know you got to focus on what Jyn Erso and Luke um, and or, or what what they're doing but something like that I would love to see that in the you Star make, Wars like universe. a movie like it's like Dunkirk but instead of them on the beaches of Dunkirk it's these soldiers on the beaches of Scarif trying to get off the planet before the Death Star yeah. blows them all up yeah yes yes exactly well you know what screw it I'll just I'll just um, do Rogue One again this, I'll sh- no, no, I'll just share the synopsis that I was thinking of when I was actually just toying around with like, oh, let's write a script because why not? Mm. Um, what if you had like, say it's like set, I don't know, 
not even a week after the Death Star has been destroyed. These pe there's a there's a rebel cell on like a far away rebellion planet, or maybe it's just very close to Yavin Four, whatever. Mm -hmm. And they're fighting a war. They've been stuck here for 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 months, or as it would be known in Star Wars, rotations. And they're they're slowly making ground, and they get called back to base. And someone says, uh, "We just received word from Yavin Four. Uh, the Death Star is destroyed." So basically, what happens is they have to. I don't know. They they're given permission to like, you know, uh, go home. They're being sent home or like, you know, they're being sent back to their families, whatever. And they get, they're, they're starting to be transported off the planet. Then they get shot down and only five people remain. And then they have to like traverse a huge landscape. Like I said, sort of like saving private Ryan in order to stay alive and get off the planet to reach like an extraction point with an entire empire around them. I think that you could make such an awesome character driven, compelling story in that way. If you get someone who's like, you know, got, you know, some history in directing war films, writing something like that, you can get like a, like I said, a very tight knit group of like five people. Even you get some humans in there. You get some aliens that we love, like Twi'leks, Mon Cala, whatever. All right. Yeah. It's, th it's this way. Like I was just talking about is, you can take these very real world themes, war, loss, you know, and taking that in a very realistic fashion. And it just so happens to be set in the Star Wars universe. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Like something like that, I would absolutely love to see. But, you know, I was curious as to what you guys think about that. Yeah, I think that's that's great. Like, that's the thing that we love about Star Wars, especially like the original stories. They're very human stories in like what they experience in terms of like the emotions they bring and like the themes they explore. But like because it's in this like out their universe, they it's like you can get like really creative with it while still being able to tell these human stories. Like as you were talking yourself, the original original like, the original trilogy is like the central themes throughout them is like family and like and like peace and like and I think that's like a great way to explore these like human stories inside that. Although for me, I think the most important thing to do going forward with Star Wars films or with Lucasfilm is to just commit to what they want to do. To not like do a film and then halfway through think, actually let's get a different director or like do a trilogy, start it off and like think actually let's just like swap the directors halfway through. Just like if they commit to things, even if originally it might not seem like it's going in a good direction, I feel like that will just improve it so much yeah michael i think you've brought an interesting perspective to this because i think there's there's this myth going around upon fandom and how they respond to kennedy and the idea of like the concept of no plan and i and i think that i i'm not entirely i don't necessarily buy into that canon wholeheartedly i think what i do buy is more of your side of things as to where they don't have like a set like they don't have a Kevin Feige style whiteboard where they know from Civil War that they're going to end up doing I don't know Inhumans yeah. versus the X Men in twenty years, but like they do know that they know that they want to make certain they want directors to make certain kinds of films, and they definitely should know who these directors are when they sign up to make the movies. Now, listen, we don't know exactly what Lord and Miller were like on the set of Solo, but we do know what kind of filmmakers they are from their past films. So if you don't want filmmakers who are going to let the actors be more improvisational yep. and tell a more loosey-goosey Star Wars story, then don't hire Lord and Miller. Exactly. Those are the kind of people that they are. But <laughs> that I think is like, so true. Like, like there's this myth of like Ryan or J.J. Abrams made episode seven and then Ryan Johnson ruined what J.J. Abrams had planned. Yeah. But, the, but the, the reality is that J.J. didn't have a plan for what exactly. happened next. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because that's how they made them back in the day. 
they didn't know what was going on back in from 77 to 80. Exactly. People like to yeah. assume that George Lucas had a plan since A New Hope. But I mean, yeah. you just look at the amount of times that Luke and Leia kiss, and there's only yeah. one of two options. Either he didn't have it planned, or there was an interesting kink that George Lucas has. Yeah, he probably had like he it's known that it's known for a fact that he had some kind of outline of like where he wanted the franchise yeah. to go. But he didn't know like the details of the relationships of the characters or anything. Exactly. Like that. Yeah, no, you know what? This is actually interesting trivia. I'm not sure if you guys know, but originally Leia wasn't supposed to be Luke's sister at all. The idea that he had a long lost sister was supposed to be introduced when Obi-Wan tells him on Dagobah. And then the next trilogy, this is when George Lucas was still involved, was yeah. going to have Luke searching for his long lost sister. Um, and like, you know, it actually lends itself to interpretation in terms of, like you said, Michael, how long before we actually like, you know, Leia's my sister in Return of the Jedi did you know, they actually decide that that was the case because even John Williams, he talked about this, I believe when he received, when he received, uh, the AFI life achievement award at some point, um, when he was filming, uh, when they were filming empire strikes back, John Williams wrote <laughs> and, um, you know, stay in your seats, a, um, love theme, <laughs> a love theme for Luke and Leia. Um, where, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I want to yeah. hear it. I want to hear it. it. No, I want to hear it too. It's so um, clear if you look back at like a New Hope, mostly uh, less in a, less in Empire, but like definitely in a New Hope, they were setting up Luke and Leia to be getting together. Like Han toys with Luke a bit over it, and Luke is clearly like interested at the amount of times they like kiss and celebrate together. It's so weird. They, Leia kisses they, they him. Like Leia kisses him three times to like just have a kissing scene, and like Chewie makes a comment. Han yeah. cracks a joke. Luke like puts his arms on his hand, like his head, like yeah. oh. I... <laughs> Yeah, she's with, she's she's with me. Yeah, oh, there's a great yeah. edit of someone doing the realization of like when Leia tells Han like he's my brother. Like Han makes a certain face. Someone oh, did like an edit of no, yeah. that's exactly yeah. what that's... he was thinking of. I mean, he's exactly like, what he was thinking what? of. Yeah, his mind wasn't. Oh yeah, now we get to be together. His mind was. Wait, how many times have you I'm kissed? married into the Lannisters. Like, oh, no, no one told oh, yeah. me that. <laughs> how many, oh, knows about things we didn't see off screen or something. No, well, that's because that's absolutely true. Like, you know, if you go back and watch that scene on Endor where they're, like, huddled oh, no. behind a log yeah. and they're just like, it's not like that at all. He's my brother. And then <laughs> and, 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 and then Han literally, like, looks away and he's stunned. No, no, no. He's not thinking it's about... It's almost like a Han. John Krasinski oh, look at the camera. Like, what? Yes, that's exactly it's, what he needed. It's, it's, it's not like a, oh, yeah, I'll finally get to live out my life with this with this woman. It's, uh, no, you totally, like, pashed him on Hoth. <laughs> that's just what we saw on screen. Oh, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, dear. God. Disney wouldn't let George Lucas release when yeah. they did the deal with Kathy. He's like, I'm not actually, I have this idea for this extended sequence between Luke and Leia. And Kathy's like, well, we'll keep that in our back pocket, George. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> By colloquially, the term doing a Star Wars is just what I refer to when like incest shows up. <laughs> oh, oh my God. You're watching Game of Thrones. like, oh, they're doing a Star Wars. <laughs> they're doing yeah. a Star Wars. Yes. Um, but anyway, <laughs> this is how quickly it just, it, it just like, you know, goes off to a Devolves thing. into but, madness. Um, if you want to talk about that thing that we were talking about just before in terms of a plan, you're mm -hmm. right. George Lucas in original trilogy showed that you can have a, you, you can not have a, a, a through line from, from moment number one and, you know, it can still work. But the sequel trilogy put to take that to an entirely different level in that not only was there no plan, but 
J.J. Abrams did set out a, uh, did have a script for episode eight and Ryan Johnson rewrote all of it. And that's not to dig on Ryan Johnson, but you know, um, I think it was released by, uh, um, I think Daisy, Daisy Ridley talked about it in, in an interview where she did actually say that, uh, yeah, Ryan Johnson didn't keep a single thing from JJ's episode eight script, and uh, you know, furthermore, he was given creative freedom to do whatever he wanted, and creative freedom to an extent is beneficial in terms of a filmmaker's um, range on what he wants or on what he or she wants to do. But even with the prequels, like say what you will about how the prequels were received, I think at that point, from the moment the Phantom Menace starts. George Lucas knew uh, that at the end of the third episode, you would have Aunt, uh, uh, um, uh, Owen and Baru with Luke with that binary sunset on Tatooine. He mm -hmm. had a plan, and that shows that he that can um, lend itself to good storytelling, regardless of how the prequels are received. So, I, I don't know. I mean, like you know, it was a, a a mistake on their part, and I think they've admitted that uh, at least loosely. And I think that that serves as I think, and you know what, Michael, you and I were talking about this last week, like only literally last week, how yep. that will sort of serve them as a, um, as a, a it, it's a learning curve for them. They've seen what not to do, and therefore I think that they can, you know, be better because of it. I suppose, yeah. In our response to the 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 Ryan Johnson J.J. Abrams thing, I I do think yeah, it's fine. I do think it's interesting that um. I kind of like the idea that Ryan Johnson got J.J. Abrams' script and said, "We're going to do it like this instead." But I, I, and I also, I also do like the idea that. But I, but I think that by the time you get to your third film, and I think here, here might be the difference. I feel like if the Last Jedi is a response to the Force Awakens, the Rise of Skywalker is a response to the reception of the yeah. Last Jedi. It's not like I feel like it's not like J.J. Abrams saw the Last Jedi and said I don't like this movie. I feel like Lucasfilm saw the reaction to right to Last Jedi and said we don't like the way this was received and yeah. we lost money from an, another movie because of it. So let's have the film Episode Nine be a more response to the reaction of the film as opposed to a reaction to the film itself. Because I feel like if you go back and listen to George Lucas talk about Irvin Kirshner in 1980. He's yep. not super jazzed with the way Kirshner decided to evolve Star Wars in the way that he did with Empire Strikes Back, right? Mm. And so I like the idea of filmmakers being handed this universe and pushing it in new and different directions. Yeah, that's um, the thing that me and Jack talk you know. about all the time, is we want directors to be making these films, not Lucasfilm producers or like executives or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah, you know, like, you know, you sort of, you really hit the nail on the head, uh, Trey, when you said, uh, like, you know, if you're going to hire someone to direct one of your, to direct a production of yours, you need to make sure that you are inundated with the type of filmmaker they are. If that doesn't jive with what you're wanting to do, then don't hire them in the first place. Because, yeah. and that's, that's the sort of thing is that we were talking about this last week, like Michael was just saying, Taika Waititi writing and directing his own Star Wars film, great. I, uh, um, the thing is that Lucasfilm needs to be aware that Taika Waititi is not only a fantastic filmmaker, but he's also a very um, uh, um, unorthodox, you know, very a very unorthodox quirky. filmmaker in terms of what he does. He has this really great um, uh, talent for inserting dry humor into his film, into his films, while mm. also injecting a whole lot of humanity and heart into it. Right. right? If if you want that for your Star Wars movie, then that's what you're going to get with Taika Waititi. You can't take someone with a very distinct way of filmmaking like Taika Waititi does yeah. and say, okay, we want you to make a film like this because by no fault of his own, Taika Waititi is just not that kind of filmmaker yeah, and he shouldn't be forced to. to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, was, and, I was saying, Trey, that like, 
say like five years ago or whatever, if they had like Taika Waititi on a director, you know a hundred percent he would have been one of the directors that they would have like fired and and like gotten a gotten a uh, Ron Howard to direct the rest of the film. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I think hopefully now that he's won a goddamn Oscar, I'd hope that they hopefully, would like yeah. let him. Yeah, sit and he has done an, an episode of Mandalorian as well. So yeah, and it somehow still feels like him. By the way, that Mandalorian yeah, episode. Exactly. So. Yeah, well, that last episode where you know his his uh, character IG Eleven dies, mm-hmm. that was directed by Taika Waititi, and uh, you know he's been involved with Star Wars for a while now. So I feel like they would have had the time to realize, okay, this is the kind of thing that you'd be getting from a person like this, and I think that serves as a good like you know precursor to what mm-hmm. we'll see from his film. And what were you what you were saying, Trey? I think is completely correct in that last jedi was uh, um completely uh you know different from force awakens but then rise of uh rise of skywalker was was completely uh in in every way almost a reaction to the divisiveness to la- from to last jedi to the point where all the stuff that they did yeah. was almost to appease those who were really pissed off at what had been done and that's why regardless of what i think of rise of skywalker it's unfortunately the movie that i probably have the least amount of respect for yeah. because they showed that okay look we are going to sacrifice ta- uh, uh, um, telling a good story for getting people back on board. Oh, well, you didn't like Rose? She's hardly in this yeah. one. Oh, you, 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 you're, you're, you're not on board you're with uh, the Holdo maneuver? So much. Rose. 74 oh, seconds of screen time. I like how yeah. someone counted. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're not on board with the Holdo maneuver? Oh, we're going to have Finn directly say, come on, that move is one in a million. Yeah. Oh, you didn't like the fact that Luke threw away a lightsaber? We're going to have him catch it and say, it deserves more respect. Like, st- yeah. stuff like, stuff like that. I was in the cinema and I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like the idea that Ray is a nobody who raised herself and became her own person? Well, fuck it. She's a Palpatine. What? <laughs> Palpatine. Are we sure? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the thing is that the, the whole thing that I, um, you know, some people might not have liked it. When I found out that Ray was a nobody and that she came from nothing, I loved it because that exactly. was completely, it was completely different from what we had gotten at anything in the past. You at, at before that you needed to have a magical lineage. You needed to have, you needed mm. to be impregnated by the force or have a magic grandpa of some kind. Um, and then, uh, so that's what I really liked. She was a, she was a counterpoint yeah. to Kylo in that way because he was the son of the force. He was the son of Leia and the, and the grandfather of Darth bloody Vader and the nephew of, uh, of Luke Skywalker and his complete opposite. The dyad in the force is this person who comes from nothing, but is somehow just as powerful. Yeah. That's brilliant. It, it brings it, back it gave... mysticism to the force. I think the idea of, exactly. I mean, Snoke puts it where he's like darkness rises and light to meet it. Like the idea of, someone so evil coming to the dark side of the force and like so the force literally manifests itself in the form of this incredibly powerful nobody i love that idea that was such a good idea and obviously that was what ryan johnson was trying to shoot for regardless of its reception by the fan base and then i think you just come and then you're just like when you make ray his 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 <laughs> Michael, we're getting in. We're, we're getting into our eyes yeah, of Skywalker. Um, retrospective now. Did I think was saying with with like bringing Ray as like a nobody coming from like a background of just like slavers or whatever. I think it was the perfect way to do a sequel to a J.J. Abrams film. Like mm-hmm. The Force Awakens is like the epitome of J.J. Abrams setting up films. Like yes. he like sets up like who is Snoke, who is Ray's backstory. Like so many mystery boxes like throughout the entire film that like after that film came out pretty much non-stop for like the entire leading up to last jedi was just fan theories upon fan theories of who it is what the answers were and like you just couldn't give an answer that would satisfy everyone i'd say Mm -hmm. let alone anyone like 
almost every answer would have either been like guessed or just be completely unsatisfactory. And so I feel like doing the fake out or doing the subversion of this idea of, oh, she's actually from nobody, but like, that's not Mm -hmm. what's important. The more important thing of who she is now is like the perfect way to answer that, like the Force Awakens film. And then it's just completely thrown back like, psych, she was a Palpatine all along. Well, if you listen to Ryan talk about that choice, I think it's in both the commentary and the documentary, the idea of like, he wasn't trying to give it some kind of like canonical weight. He liked the idea of, of playing on what Kirshner and Lee Brackett and George Lucas did of Empire. And the reason that Luke being Vader's son isn't, it's a big deal, not because it's like, oh, they're both Skywalkers. It's a big deal because Vader's the bad guy. Yeah. It's the it's it's the idea of this guy you're supposed to kill is now your dad. And that's a difficult choice to have to make. And so for Rey, all of Force Awakens, which was beautifully set up, by the way, the idea that she has to be somebody. And now suddenly Kylo Ren is like making her tell herself, no, you're not anybody. But then Luke goes and that okay I, I think that that's a you're right there's a lot of weight there that kind of got nipped in the right in the groin right <laughs> right yeah, in the, absolutely the you know, that that was so beautiful about the dichotomy between kylo and ray and that serves itself to why they became the dyad and the force like they did yeah. in rise of skywalker because they were so different this guy is the child of the force literally he could not have more of like a monolithic lineage and Mm -hmm. Ray comes from nothing but is somehow just as powerful if not more powerful and that dichotomy was awesome but now they both have magic grandpas and they're also kind of related maybe yes no it's implied across again that Palpatine may or may not have impregnated me via the force so it's like I'm watching that I'm like so what they're they're like cousins now well yeah well that's the thing is that like you know the fact that she takes (laughs) they did a Star Wars yeah, they, they did a Star, Star Wars. Wars. Classic <laughs> they did a Star Wars. Wars. Uh, I mean, classic to be fair, Star that's Wars. the most Star Wars you could do. So, like, mm-hmm. I mean, so far, like, that's pretty faithful going back to the what people liked about the original trilogy. Yeah. That's Why is everyone mad? They wanted the old trilogy back. Bring back the interest, <laughs> yeah. I always say. Oh, oh yeah. goodness. Um, yeah, well, there you go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, if you wanted to get back into, like, the sort of how the mistakes that they made could lend itself to what comes next, like, you know, you know, like you sort of were talking about, Michael, it's been prevalent since the original trilogy, it was in the prequels, and even in the sequels, regardless of its divisiveness, Star Wars is about family, and it is about real-world issues that just so happen to relate to spaceships and Death Stars and Jedis mm-hmm. and lightsabers, right? Mm-hmm. You need to be... I think that you need to be able to inject both of those into whatever you do next. Taking real-life um, uh, uh, struggles family and taking that into a Star Wars story that's completely different from whatever we've seen and making it a Star Wars film that works with a director that's good with actors that are good something like that because that's something that I would love to see like a, again an actual gritty war film give me like a crime ring syndicate sort of goodfellas type movie about Maul and and Crimson Dawn something like that I'd love to see that area of Star Wars in a very gritty, realistic take that we haven't seen before. Um, but at the same time, I would really like to see people that we've never seen before, um, you know, in Old Republic, go back to the, the the Sith War when there were thousands of Siths in the galaxy. Again, it doesn't matter who these characters are. As long as they're good, layered, developed characters that are written well, it could be... It, it could be anyone. I don't care who it is as long as it's a good story. I'm, yeah, I'll be on board. Blade Runner on Coruscant. That's kind of Dude. what I've always wanted. I think yes. I, I like it. Like, yes. I thought 2049, which is a great movie, and I was just like, why so. don't we get this with lightsabers? Like, this is exactly what I need right now. It's so 
Why, it's just why don't you? right there. Do right an edit of Blade Runner, but they're just holding lightsabers the whole time. <laughs> I love those videos on YouTube where I saw when it was like the John Wick fights, but they're all using lightsabers instead of swords. Like, this <laughs> That's is- okay. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of Lord of the Rings videos where they have lightsabers yeah. instead of yeah. swords, and it's, yeah. it's pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, no, that's 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 exactly right. Give me that that would be awesome. That's sort of like thing that would be awesome, Trey. Give me like someone who is like a, a private detective in the underworld of Coruscant having to like investigate something that is so interesting to me, and I'd love to see something like that again. Real life stories that just so happen to be set in a Star Wars universe that mm-hmm. that'd be great. The stories yeah. we've seen that are kind of like that in Clone Wars have been some of the best episodes. I mean, like I know the one with Terrace Nube where they're like uh, they're hunting the lightsaber by like tracking the criminals in Coruscant. It's one of my favorite episodes. I know, like that that is sort of uh, it's a testament to what they've done in that you can have stories like that like you were just saying Michael that relate to the crime underworld things that you would never see in the main saga that are just as enthralling as long as they're written well which they were it's proven to work and I think that they if they can employ that even more in the current films they would just be doing themselves a a disservice if they didn't do that I'm just yeah um yeah. I want to say something like um, someone described the first half of Force Awakens like a Miyazaki-esque film almost. And I think that that's an apt comparison. Yeah. And I think that I think that similar to how Spider-Verse, I think, changed the way we saw Spider-Man movies. I would love to see like a Spider-Verse style animated Star Wars film. It's just something I was just thinking Definitely. about on the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah, like, the way you're talking about Force Awakens being a Mizaki, I I I, def- I definitely see that now because the the start, especially the parts with Ray on yeah. um on uh, Jakku, uh, yeah. it's very it it's like it takes its time to just show the setting. Like like yeah. I guess like p- people might just think it's like Tatooine, but like it takes its time to like show the the life of Ray as no, a yeah. scavenger. It's weirdly like, patient long for shot. a J.J. Abrams flick. Yeah. I was upon rewatching, I was like, wow, this movie's really taking it, and then suddenly it kicks off. But yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like when they're running really around with Finn and all yes. that, it like speeds yeah. up. But like the, the long finish. shots with like the Star Destroyer, that's like, oh, the blurry shot and like with the speeders, I can mm-hmm. definitely see that. That's the I mean, to be fair, flying around, yeah. Yeah, Miyazaki does happen, like his films can be quite action heavy, but like definitely the sense of like patience that you get mm-hmm. at the start of Force Awakens. I love yeah. it when films, like their pa- when their pacing is like patient, where they're able to take the time to just let the setting or the character, or like the emotions yeah. sink in. It's why Blade Runner is probably my favorite film. Well, it shows confidence. And I think that's why 2049, yeah. I think for me, hits even harder than the original is that it's three hours long, but it doesn't feel like it. It's yeah, flirt. I know that's heresy amongst film fans. But <laughs> like i mean um, I, I love 2049 as well yeah and to speak with you to see you jack you you said you like the idea of doing like blade runner but in star wars i think that's the perfect kind of transitional film to make these kind of more darker uh or not and not even darker just different kinds of stories i think like as much as i would love to see goodfellas but in star wars um that's not something that you can necessarily just jump right into unless you do it on like disney plus i guess but the yeah, idea of exactly. making like a blade yeah. runner style film and then that can transition into the more crime-ridden uh underbelly world i think that these transitional stories would be interesting until eventually yeah. we reached game of thrones but Star Wars. <laughs> Oh, I would be so happy. Be so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. Is that like you know, um, something like look, I absolutely love Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I own the Blu Ray. Denis Villeneuve might be my favorite film because he is like you know, very fancy. 
the 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 visual the just the visually stunning things that you see in any of his films Arrival, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Imagine, just imagine just lending that to Star Wars. That, that it's it's just I I can't even imagine the cap- the the potential that that arrive that that could um, yeah. cause well, in that the also, Star Wars universe. It totally would bring something different, which we talked. We just used brought up Michael the idea of patience because yeah. like. Yeah. We haven't seen a Star Wars film, and I guess that's where The Mandalorian succeeded for me the most, was the idea yeah. of atmosphere. And, like, a Star Wars film that really takes its time. Part of the reason I love movies like the first, like, I love the first half of Force Awakens, and I guess the opening of Rogue One in particular, is because I just yeah. feel like it's such a, there's a vastness to it, and you really get, like, the the scale of Star Wars yeah. again, besides just the, the whiz-bang action space opera. So. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. no, that... That thing you were talking about with Ray, like you know, the reason that the start of um of Force Awakens with Ray on Jakku works so well is that all it is is her daily life. She goes down the hill, she goes home, she starts scrubbing stuff, and then she goes home to her ATAT home and starts eating. Like it's literally just her day. But the amount of patience that's put into that scene, it gives you everything that you need to know about her to begin with. She doesn't even speak. She doesn't even speak until she meets BB-8. Like that, and that, and that's why it works so well, is because it's just they're taking the time to set up. Okay, this is our protagonist, and it's going to be about her, and this is like you know who she is, and then we're going to talk about who she becomes. Um, something like that, especially with like you know, if you wanted to do like a very character based, like you know, a character study, like a character drama based around a single you know um, person whether it be on the underground of Coruscant or doing something that's evocative of Blade Runner 2049, something like that I would absolutely love to see. And it's proven to work because it happened in Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, no, I think that's a... It's honestly... Trey, before you said that, I've never actually even thought about it that way and I'm so glad you brought it up because 100%. it just opens my mind up to, like, completely new possibilities for the Star, for the, for the, for the Star Wars movies. And, yeah. yeah. Coming, oh, God, the, I wish we could see them. I well, wish we could see them. This is why I think a movie like... Why I think the sequel trilogy holds some merit for sure, because I think it yeah. shows that we are willing to watch this franchise move forward. And I think that's why it makes me, that's, that's partly why I presented the idea of like, we're seeing a lot of desert planets, aren't we? When we were going through the news is because I, I know that this franchise, like I, like when I was playing Jedi Fallen Order and we went to like Bogano or whatever, that like weird grassland planet with these big hills and valleys. Like, oh, this is really interesting or cool. We may have yeah. seen Bogano in Clone Wars. I don't know, but like, don't think so. Um, we didn't know. You know, or like the idea of like Dathomir, which is which is technically a sand planet, but it's so more. It just feels evil, and 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 it. Uh, I like the idea of further exploring the universe when we've already seen. Yeah, no, that scene in Fallen Order where Cal interacts with that night sister and she talks about like, you know, um, oh, there was this madman who like massacred my people and stuff like that. Like, you know, I mean, contextually, that actually lends itself to when General Grievous arrived on Dathomir and assassinated mm-hmm. the entire clan. But you don't need to show that stuff. That's just there for the hardcore fans as like a cool little thing. And that's what they're great at inserting. Uh, I didn't even in, know in, Dathomir in, was in full order i really need to no, play this yeah well um well yeah it's, it's hard sort of... planet to beat as someone who doesn't play like those kinds of video games very often it's like this looks so I, I spend hours on death in here trying yeah. to play it 
Damn, this looks <laughs> but you know what else is that like you know now that we have the Mandalorian and now what we're hopefully going to get as a whole new set of characters in the in the Kenobi series mm-hmm. it shows that uh, especially in the Mandalorian you can take someone who no one knew about no one knew Din Djarin or Cara Dune or Grief Karga anyone they were all completely new and by the end of the series we're just like oh I hope he doesn't die I really hope he doesn't die oh what does his face look like and they made us invested in an assassin droid they made us invested in an Ognaught who only says I have spoken and you just scream oh, yeah, why when he dies <laughs> thing to say in 2019 was it i've spoken that's like everyone was saying amongst our friends what is it to say about the mandalorian like in terms of star wars that the most effective moment of 2019 for star wars for me was when mando gets his helmet removed i like gasped i knew who the actor looked like i watched game of thrones and seen him in other things when you see his face you go oh my god he's he looks like a scared child right there it's a good yeah. Mm. Well, it just lends itself to you can have someone who you had never talked about or seen in a film at all, mm-hmm. and you can make it so that you do have, like you were just saying, Trey, those gasping moments when you think he's going to die or when you finally see his face. Um, and I mean, that sort of lends itself to the, you know, the TV, you know, they have a lot more time than an average film if you have like eight episodes that go for 40 minutes each. But um, it, it's still the same principle in that these characters were completely unknown and now we can't wait to see more of them. If you if you are able to employ like uh, something like that on a far greater scale, like a movie or like another anthology film, if they ever decide to do something like that, or like we were just talking about in the earlier parts of the Star Wars universe, the Old Republic, or... Um, well, we were talking about like, you know, if you wanted to have it set like two generations after everyone in the sequel trilogy has long since died, it doesn't matter. As long as that principle for good storytelling and making sure that there's someone who you can relate to and connect with is in the story, mm-hmm. I don't care where it's where where it's at. I just want to yeah. see a good story and as was, as do we all. Yeah. There was a novel that came out maybe five years ago that I thought would be a great basis for a film. It's called Lost Stars. Yeah, um, I know that Claudia Gray. Oh, and when yeah. I first read the book, right? I, I was reading through it. I was like, this this would be a great idea for a Star Wars movie. And I thought about the idea. And I think they're doing this now with Squadrons, the game that's coming out this fall, the idea of like an yeah. evil. Stories from both sides. Both sides of the story. And so yeah. like when, when I began developing like a weird headcanon fan fiction style world, similar to what you were doing, Jack, when you were like, oh, what would my ideal stars from look like? I love the idea of if you were to do... <clears throat> episodes 10 11 and 12 um i don't think abandoning the skywalker saga is necessarily a, a the thing you should do but i do definitely think that we should evolve what the skywalker saga means i like the idea of similar to what seven did with the original trilogy like what does what do ray poe and finn look like 30 years on and not in the sense of like it's good to see them back but like genuinely speaking and so i always like this idea of because the Jedi themselves were like this weird religious organization. And I love the idea of like them turning sour almost and like becoming these like religious zealots yep. and what happens. And like, so in my head canon, the Jedi attack in a game of Thrones style fashion. And it's like murder Poe Dameron, which like sets off this entire civil war on the light side of the force where you have like the rebellion or the Republic or whatever versus the Jedi. And, and so like you have this like, interwoven conflict and yeah. I just, so that's one way to get the original fans to hate the Star Wars movies <laughs> you made the Jedi and the bad first, guy and when I first got the idea I was like they never do anything that crazy Star Wars fans would never allow it and then I saw the last yeah. Jedi and I was like oh maybe I was like yeah. maybe they're, <laughs> they're building up to it 
Yeah, yeah well, I, no, I assume they were going that direction. Yeah. It is it is really interesting because as we know, especially in the prequels, you get it more in Clone Wars sometimes. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it does sort of um beg the question because around that time, around the time the prequels happen, you're right, the 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 Jedi are becoming like these closed off, sort of like emotionless robots that will, you know, help out, but at the same time they are very hard to just like they have a very strict amount of almost hypocritical rules that yeah. really come to a hit when they all get killed. Um, They've lost the, the essence s- of the Force. They like follow the rules that the Jedi Order, as opposed to listening to like the light side. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, and they that's and that's and that's and that's. And that's Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 it's okay. Um, and that's why you have someone like Qui-Gon Jinn before he died where mm. he comes and gets this kid who... And then it sort of shows that Qui-Gon is sort of like the embodiment of the last generation of Jedi before this one took over where he understands that Jedi don't have to be these emotionless robots that they are supposed to love and care about people. If you take... A, a mentality like that and show us where that transition occurred from what Qui-Gon embodies to what, say, Mace Windu embodied at the height of the Clone Wars, right? Like, you know, I want to see where that transition takes place and, more importantly, how that transition was brought about. Like, you know, I think that would be really interesting to see if you were to set it before anything that we've already seen. But I also yeah. wonder whether that was brought on by the Sith or just exploited by the Sith. Because it's very clear that the Jedi aren't seen nearly as favorably especially with the clone wars and they're being like soldiers during the time of the galactic republic and like that's what palpatine kind of uses to turn animosity on the jedi especially their involvement in politics like yeah. how they get like so involved in like the republic like the yeah the republic and everything how he turns to them like saying that they were yeah. trying to do a coup if you I did like just... the real world allegory right like, yeah I don't, I don't want to get this podcast to be too serious but nah, in go, terms for it, of, go for it we're all in, in times of history like fascist which the empire is yeah like a fascist regime rises when they take advantage of what is presumably the the the, the regular people thinking that their current state of government is too unfair exactly. and so i mean i mean i guess palpatine is meant to represent the bush administration but that's where the metaphor gets messy but like it, it, the idea of them of them taking this of palpatine using this police force to also like yeah, I think there's definitely much to be said there. Sorry, I lost my track. No, hundred percent. Like, yeah, it's, no, no, that it's was fine. always been an allegory for real life, like political, like things, and saying like with the the empire is is very much a representation of like rise of fascism and like I mean specifically Nazi Germany, but like overall just yeah. like fascism and stuff. And I think you could definitely look into um in, into like exploring different ways especially right now i mean as much as people would like to say like oh if there's any time you don't want politics in star wars it's now like uh keep my politics in star wars i'm the exact opposite (laughs) i think if there's any time to like explore like show like politics through art like through stories through art Mm -hmm. i think that's like that's what the point of art but yeah star wars has always been about (laughs) showcasing politics star wars only got political when they had a female lead don't you know that oh god forbid yeah right (laughs) it didn't come out on the set of attack clones and be like all right you're all the bush administration we're all george bush action that's that's no nothing political in star wars oh gosh he definitely didn't use world war ii footage as reference for the x-wing fighters well, no, that's that that's that's why is that like you know when 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 George Lucas is using World War Two footage as a uh, 
you know, as a reference to how he filmed the uh, the dogfights in the original Star Wars film, he's clearly going to also take some inspiration in terms of what can you base the Empire off of? Yeah. The Nazis! <laughs> so, like, I love the memes where it's like the original anti-fascists and it just shows like an X-Wing. And then yeah. all, all, of the, all of the old Star Wars fans would be so mean, but literally, yeah. like, they were so mad. They're like, that's not, yeah. there's not any um, uh, but yeah, listen, yeah, oh, and also, like, you know, we're, we're getting almost kind of long here, but that doesn't matter, is that... Uh, no, we're having fun. Yeah, we're having fun. Um, you know, I guess to sort of put a whole button on it, like, you know, you were just talking about, like, you know, there, this, you know, the philosophy of politics and stuff like that, that has been prevalent in Star Wars from day one. Uh, and I feel like that if you just lended uh, that sort of... Um, idealism that is prevalent in our real world and injected it into the sci-fi world that we know of star wars it still lends itself to great interpretation and i think it could really work in the right hand so i don't think it i don't think it matters what we see again i just come back to that point that i don't care what we see just as long as it's well formulated and it's new stuff we're not backtracking in any way not in the not in a contextual sense and not in a filmmaking sense to the point where we're making the same mistakes we did the first time yeah as like uh, as trey said like shown in the last jedi i think right now what the star universe needs is moving forward like whether that be like through characters settings or just the way that they tell stories the way that like the force is shown or jedi like we just i think it's time to move forward with uh with the star wars franchise and me i am perfectly excited and very excited uh perfectly happy for that to happen yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure what else there is to say. I think we've had a very great discussion about this. Uh, again, we've had a lot of discussion about what Star Wars stories we want to see, how realistic storytelling that we see in our modern day can lend itself to be told in a Star Wars fashion in uh, anthology films or a news trilogy or whatever. I think that's very important when we're talking about the directors. If you're going to hire someone, you need to understand what they are, what they do, and what kind of filmmaker they are. If that doesn't jive with what you want to do, then don't hire them in the first place. And <laughs> and, and, uh, and in terms of, I guess, we were also talking about a through line in terms of the whole thing. Um, it's important. But George Lucas has, all, has, all, has always showed us that you don't have to have a concise restrictive narrative the entire time yeah. you need to understand where you're going you need to be to, willing you know, let's go <laughs> yeah so i feel like there's a lot of um you know time that they can spend to you know develop things and look at star wars in a completely new way which if last week's report is to be believed is what they're doing but um yeah i don't know <laughs> so um yeah yeah uh, end with a yoda quote <laughs> yeah hang on yoda, yoda Hang on, I'm going to find a good one. The greatest teacher failure is. That's a good one. That, yeah, that's pretty apt. I mean, well, yeah, no, the greatest think. teacher failure is exactly like, you know, they have had their, their trials, their tribulations and their shortcomings in the past. And I think that's the best thing that they can learn from. So, um, yeah. Uh, Trey, anything else to say on the matter? Uh, last Jedi's the best Star Wars movie. Cut to the crack. <laughs> <laughs> Look, out of out of most Star Wars podcasts, we'd probably be one that you would would be least to disagree with that statement in terms of it's pretty high up there for both Jack and I as well. We we're big fans. It's yeah. really fun to just drop that into a YouTube comment <laughs> section just yeah. to see what happens. Sometimes yep. it'll be like a random video. I'm like, oh, this is just as good as the Last Jedi, and then I'll just yep. I'll just watch the discourse. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. This is this is going to be published on YouTube, so uh, you know we'll see what happens. See, it's um, another comment. But yeah, I feel like the only uh, comments we've had so far have been like spam ones or like ones trying to get us like subscribe to them or something. Yeah, um, but anyway, I think that puts a really great uh, um, uh, cherry on the top of this conversation. I think we've had a really great. Uh, 
um, you know, just talk and conversation with a lot of interesting viewpoints. And I really thank you guys for that. Um, so I think that wraps up the conversation as a whole. Um, and that would sort of mean that the podcast can now begin to wrap up. I hope you guys have really enjoyed listening. But first, yeah. we'd like to say this. Um, before we wrap up, we'd like to just take the time to quickly pay homage to a legend that was taken from us too soon this week. Uh, yeah. Chad- Chadwick Boseman passed away this week at the age of 43 after a four-year-long battle with uh, colonic cancer. Um, Chadwick was obviously best known for his role as the King of Wakanda, uh, T'Challa, also known as the Black Panther in the MCU films. Mm. I was absolutely devastated when I heard this news. I, I, I did really just... Uh, it made me tear up. Um, I just couldn't believe it. You know, I was watching TV with my sister and she just says, oh, you know, Chadwick Boseman died. I'm just like, what? And I got onto Google immediately, checked the trending topic, and he was... Oh my god, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, it's, it's, it's just so sad. It's really sad. Like the, when Black Panther first showed up in Civil War, like that was one of my favorite like experiences of the entire like MCU. I loved like Black Panther as a character so much, and Chadwick Boseman did like such a perfect job of translating him onto the onto the big screen. Yeah. And the cultural impact that that the movie Black Panther had can just not be understated. Like he was a real champion of cinema, but, and it's it's had, it's so he, sad to hear. Yeah, he had that. such a a regality to him, I think, and like in a presence to him. And I was really excited when they first cast him. I thought that he gave some of his best work as a performer in Civil War. And I was really interested to see where they were going to take T'Challa as a character in, in the Black Panther series. And um, I think that he's just done so much great work. I think the first time I saw him and he plays Jackie Robinson in a, in a biopic about him with Harrison Ford of all people. And it's, yes. uh, and it was a wonderful film right? and, a, and a very wonderful performance. He was most recently seen in the new Spike Lee film, The Five Bloods, which is about the um, people returning back to Vietnam following the Vietnam War. And uh, he was fantastic in that as well. And it, it's one of those surreal things where you hear it and you, you, you don't think it's true. Cause like, well, surely not. Cause yeah, and I'll be honest, I didn't even know he was 43 years old. I assumed he was younger than that. So Yeah. No, I, I, I feel the exact same. I didn't I, I honestly didn't think it was real and the fact that it was just all over every social media platform after that, it was just oh it, it, it just broke my heart. And look, listen, he is well known for Black Panther and he's absolutely stellar. And like you said, the regality that he brought to that role is just out of this world. But if you have if, if anyone listening has never seen a film called Get On Up where he cha- where he plays James Brown, yeah. it is one of the it is one of the most beautiful performances you will ever see. He was such a talented, talented man. And something else that just oh it was I love to think about it but at the same time it's just so uh, saddening is that he's been fighting this battle since 2016 in that time he made Civil War he made Infinity War he made Endgame as well as spearheading God knows how many charity foundation. He was very, he was a very charitable man. And whenever you see him in the press junkets, when you see him play those like press tour games with Denai Guerrero, who played a Koye in Black Panther, they're playing just like those games that Buzzfeed has them playing. He's always so happy. His laugh was absolutely intoxicating. Like, you know, I could listen to his laugh for God knows how long. He was always so happy, regardless of the fact that, you know, behind closed doors, he was struggling with this and obviously it came to a head this week and it just makes me so sad. But he also just, sh- it also just shows um, how good of a man he was that he didn't, he, he had that thing and it was undoubtedly weighing on his mind, but he felt that he had such a responsibility to the people that saw him that he never let it sort of detract from the person that he showed himself to be. And it's also, it's, it's incredibly sad, but it also gives me just untold amounts of posthumous respect for him and oh god I, I still can't believe it i really can't believe it and um 
Uh, you know, the statement that was released said that Chadwick Bosman did pass away with his wife and family around him. He was in peace. And um, I think that's all we can hope for. You know, um, I, I guess it just tells you, you know, you, you can't let life um, just pass you by, live it to the fullest and never take it for granted because, yeah. Um, he certainly did. I, Such an impact did. on so many people. Like He did. Um, yes. Rest in, pe- rest in power, yeah. uh, Chadwick Boseman, our king, Wakanda forever. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, thank you guys so much as always for watching. Um, you guys, yeah, I mean, well, I, I mean our, like, it's our I, empire. We've done on a sadder note. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I hate, I hate to introduce to, um, end on a sadder note, but, um, uh, yeah, I just, we, we, we really wanted to pay homage to him at this time because, uh, God, it's just an absolutely devastating loss. Exactly. Um, but like, first, we talk about Star Wars here, but we're like, we, we're big movie fans in pretty much all regards. And so the oh, MCU absolutely. is like such a big, I always feel like Star Wars is such a gateway drug to like becoming a film fan, you know, yeah. like, like, you know what I mean? So Star Wars, Star Wars is certainly our main export, but I am a super fan of the MCU and, a, mm. and I loved Black Panther with all my heart and uh, I love Ch- uh, Chadwick Boseman as we all did and it's it's incredibly shocking to, to have to lose him but um, mm. yeah I and that is also where the episode will wrap up today guys thank you so much for listening and thank you Trey for coming yeah. on to speak to us thank you so uh, much for joining us Trey it's been so no, much fun having you no I love talking Star Wars and I and it's really it's nice to know that there are how I say this you guys seem so invested and so entertained in the fandom without being you know the toxic fanboys that people are so concerned about in Star Wars. I, oh yeah i can get quite disenfranchised sometimes just like yeah. going through star wars videos and seeing like the fast awakens the jedi oh, like oh they're all women three it's hour like... critiques of the force awakens and i'm <laughs> oh, like i know why man <laughs> like just acknowledge there are things you don't like and then just yeah. move on you again know? like I'm not the biggest fan of the sequel trilogy. I acknowledge the mistakes. However, my problems with the sequel trilogy aren't that Vice Admiral Holdo had a pink wig or whatever. That's Literally, not my problem. Oh my God. No, like that's the. <laughs> oh my uh, we, I think we mentioned it at the end of a very like in-depth conversation we had about the set of Star Wars last week. In that, regardless of the divisiveness, regardless of what anyone thinks of Star Wars, toxic or not, the main central uh, in common viewpoint that everyone has is that we love Star Wars. And yeah. I think that if uh, on a platform like this, it's what Michael and I set out to do when we started: is that we wanted to, above all, regardless of whether or not we're critiquing, <clears throat> excuse me, whether or not we're talking about something negative or yep. positive the love for Star Wars that we have will always be the driving force. And um, I think that's very important and important for the fandom in general. Um, so yeah, thank you again so much for, uh, for joining us. Yeah. Trey. Trey, uh, did you want to I... shout out like where people could find you? Yeah. Well? I was about oh, to say that next. Yeah. Time. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, no, I, I assume there's an order of these things. Uh, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at a white picture. And from there you can find any other links that would lead me to there. Um, yeah, that's essentially all that you would find me on. I used to do yeah, YouTube. I don't do YouTube much anymore. So yeah, yeah. No, we'll leave. Uh, you know, we'll leave the links to those to your social media in the description, and we'll mm. leave a description. Uh, in the description, the link to uh, Movie Maniac, because why not? Um, and other than that, guys, again, thank you very much for watching. Uh, this episode will be live at twelve p.m. AEST on the Mondays, and you're already listening to us, so you already know that. <laughs> um, and it will be available there on YouTube. The YouTube version will be available the next day on the Tuesday at the same time throughout the day, AEST, over here in Australia, across the pond. Um, the time code
codes for each of these uh, discussions will be available in the description of the video, as well as the fact we are on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Be sure to follow us there. Uh, the links to those um, sites are also in the de description. Make sure to rate us, comment, and uh, review, and of course, subscribe to stay inundated on everything that we've talked about. The articles for the discussions we've talked about today will be posted on our website. They should be available when you guys are listening to this. And... Uh, that's basically all the housekeeping we've got to do. Michael, Trey, anything else to say? Uh, no, just thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, it, it means so much that you're here with us. And the fact that we're able to talk Star Wars for two hours or whatever, especially like with like guests like Trey and with like each other, it's so much fun. Like this is, this is so much fun for us to do. Um, especially in this time where like things really don't seem great in the world right now, you know, mm -hmm. if we can if we can come together through our shared love of Star Wars, that's always a good thing. I will I will leave the world with my second favorite Yoda quote, which is "Luminous creatures are we, not this crude matter." That's yeah. true. Yeah, brilliant. That's a perfect way to wrap it up. Yoda and, quotes work in um, every situation. <laughs> they do. He's he's so wise. Uh, yes, thank you guys as always so much for listening. Thank you again to Trey and we will be back next week with whatever Star Wars stuff is thrown our way. Yeah. Thank you guys. This has been Telling, Telling the, the Odds. odds.